All right, Tina mentioned this in the news, and I'd already talked about it, but I wanted to get somebody on that can really break this down for us. It is a poll suggesting, um, the poll comes from Ipsos, the suggesting that Canadians' trust in science is failing because they're looking at scientists like they're elitist. Timothy Caulfield joins us now. He's a Canada Research Chair in Health and Law Policy. Good morning. Thanks for being here. So uh, this is shocking to you that uh, scientists, uh, the average Canadian, nearly half of those surveys thought that scientists are elitist? Oh, well, listen, it's, it's depressing. It's unfortunate. Uh, it's a big issue. But I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, this is, I think, part of a broader trend where we're seeing this erosion in institutions, you know, with, you know, whether you're talking about government, whether you're talking about healthcare providers. Uh, so it's part of a bigger trend. It is uh, really unfortunate and, as I said, really depressing. Can we blame this on the Internet and misinformation or what do you think's to blame here? Uh, you know, I think a lot. I think a lot is going on, and this is something you know actually that we study at the institute. You know, part of it I do think is social media. Um, I think that people are getting their information from a variety of sources, uh, and it has become increasingly confusing. You know, people don't know what information to trust. They don't know where the information is coming from. But in addition to that, uh, I think people are very concerned about. Uh, science being compromised, that it is, you know, big corporation or there's a government agenda involved. Uh, And you see all that in that survey, right? A lot of people said exactly that, that they think that science has been co-opted by industry. So we have to we have to recognize that and understand the value, uh, the value of independent science. But I think what also happens there is social media helps to create that distrust, right? So there'll be a report that comes out on GMOs, there'll be a report that comes out on, you know, whatever the topic is. uh, And the immediate discourse on social media is that you can't believe this because it's been bought out by, you know, big agriculture or or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it is a real, a real challenge. Can some of the the, uh, skepticism be uh, blamed as well on the fact that we have recently fallen in love with documentaries and they make you question things that are out there? Uh, well, I, I think that there's a lot of bad documentary. I, yeah. As a documentary filmmaker myself, I, you know, you, I like to believe that there's good stuff out there. But you're right. You're right. There is a lot. You know, Netflix, for example, has a lot, you know, which our show is on Netflix, that has a lot of questionable content, you know, right. what, that seems legitimate. You know, What the Health, for example, is a really good example. This is a documentary that, that is about uh, the wellness industry, and it really uh, portrays science in an inaccurate manner. But it feels real, right? It feels accurate. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that is, is part of the story. There, the uh, figures are, you know, terrifying. The, the, we're in this time where climate change is accelerating. I think the U.N. said that if we don't do something within the next decade, we're hooped. Yeah, and I think uh, at the core of a lot of this is science literacy, you know, and teaching people. You know, a lot of people, you know, I get a lot of hate mail. I'm sure you're familiar with that that process. Who, me? Yeah, (laughs) a lot of people. uh, You can tell that that people think science is a list of facts or science Mm -hmm. is an institution or science is a person, right? And that's not the case, right? So if the list of facts is, is something on that list of facts is wrong, then science is wrong. If you can't trust an individual person, a scientist, then science is wrong. Science is a process, right? It's a way of understanding the world. And that's something I think we need to communicate uh, to the public because that allows people to look more critically at what they're seeing uh, in the popular press. Right. I had a researcher on earlier this, uh, this uh, during the show 
And I swear, uh, you know, part of the interview, I, uh, to be honest, I'm sure that the audience could hear it, too. He sounded completely distracted by something else going on on his computer. And he sounded like he was slightly like stretching or something in the background. And, uh, you know, he was my guest, so I was trying to be as polite as possible. But I found it incredibly distracting. And it made me disinterested in what he was trying to uh, the research, which was fascinating research when you you know read about it but what he was trying to talk about so how important is it that we have scientists that are engaging us and that are um, making science accessible to us incredibly important i'm glad i'm glad you brought that up and and i think institutions you know universities are increasingly starting to recognize that this uh, this this fact you know i've been in this area for a long time and i've seen that evolution right where 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 universities really didn't think that communicating with the public was central to their their mandate but now they do and i think part of it is because they're recognizing people are starting to disconnect and starting to distrust so i i I think science communication is hugely important and we've got to think about ways that we can do it in an entertaining way in a way that that responds to people's concerns uh and in a way that will allow them to get the good science in an unbiased manner do you think we're starting to celebrate uh, ignorance and people, uh, you know, are banding together and saying, all right, let's we're in this together. We don't have to know stuff. I mean, it sounds kind of ridiculous of me to say, but it seems like we're vilifying smart people here. Yeah, I don't think it's ridiculous at all. I think it's part of the populist movement that we're seeing, right? We've seen it. We're seeing it all over the world, whether you, obviously in the United States we're seeing this happen, but also in places like uh, Hungary and, and Poland where there is a sort of celebration of the more populist approach. Um, and so, uh, you know, there has been some really interesting research that has shown a correlation between, you know, an anti-science ethos, think, think about, you know, anti-vax, and the rise of this of, of populist ideology. So, you know, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. So how do we push back against that? And, and I do think science literacy is, is, is really important. But there was a really interesting study that came out from the United States that showed 40% of Americans, and the numbers would be very similar in Canada, 40% of Americans believe that alternative medicine can cure cancer. You know, not wow. make people feel better, not, you know, help with symptoms, but cure cancer, which is completely absurd, right? Completely absurd. But that is a real metric of where we are right now. Do you think they feel about. that way because they feel like, you know, big pharma, you know, I hear this every once in a while. Someone will go, well, you know, big pharma, they could cure cancer if they want to, but it's not worth it. Yeah, uh, for sure. And that's exactly why I brought that, that number up, because I, I think it really goes to the point you were making about, you know, this, this populist ideal, right? This idea that somehow there, there is a conspiracy to, to twist knowledge in a way that harms us. Um, and they're, it, they're believing what they're, they're seeing in social media. So a lot of these things, it's, you know, the, the real ch- problem also is this is a tough challenge. It's not, it's not going to be one easy fix, right? We've got to come at this from absolutely... Uh, every angle. So, you know, it's it's a really sad stat that we've started the day with. Yeah, it really is. Uh, we're looking at one in three Canadians, according to this poll, uh, are losing their trust in science. I want to ask you about the consequences. I mean, if we keep, you know, continuing down this path, what do you um, see as the consequences for our distrust in science? Well, you know, I, I think there's, first of all, growing recognition that this is an issue. The World Health Organization in January of this year said that um, the spread of misinformation uh, about health, you know, vaccines in particular, but about health is the single greatest threat or one of the top ten right. uh, threats to, to um, 
uh, public health in the world. And I think that's true. You know, I, if we ha allow this erosion of, of science to continue, uh, we are going to see increasing phenomenon like the anti-vax movement, like the rejection of, of climate change, um, like the rejection of the basic ways that we can, basic steps that we can take to live a healthy lifestyle. Um, and it's going to be increasingly difficult in a liberal democracy to make informed decisions and move forward in a rational manner. So this is a big issue. This isn't a little thing. This is a big issue, and hmm. we've really got to wrap our arms around it. Toronto Public Health, just uh, they're seeking a ban on non-medical vaccine exemptions. Is there any reason to allow philosophical vaccine exemptions? You know, I, th this is ac that's actually, I think, a really complicated uh, um issue. I, I know I'm, I'm very pro-vaccine, you know, and my intuitive response is that it, that it should be mandatory. But but you worry that it's going to you know, polarize the discourse even for, you know, it might be a short-term solution, but end up having more polar, polarized discussion. And also you worry about punishing the kids, right, um, by keep, keeping them out of school. But my intuition is that we have to have more aggressive vaccine policy, that we have to have policies that ensure that everyone's vaccinated. Uh, I, I think we should start start with science literacy and, and, and see what's, what's necessary. Necessary from there. What are you hearing among, among uh, the the young Canadians or young Americans as well? Well, th it's interesting because uh, you know some studies show that they are even more scientifically skeptical. So that study I referred to, wh where there was forty percent of Americans with young Americans, it's fifty percent believe <sighs> that cancer can be cured by uh, by alternative therapy. So it, it, you see stats like that that make it more. Uh, worrisome. On the other hand, there is some research that also says that they are uh, willing to embrace critical thinking if those skills are available. That's uh, some worrying facts. Uh, you've got a documentary out on Netflix. You know, you mentioned you're a documentary maker. I think we, we should give it a plug. Yeah, it's called A User's Guide to Cheating Death. Uh, it's on streaming on Netflix right now. Uh, and we try to tackle a lot of these topics. And the other thing we really try to do, we have a lot of fun, by the way, we, uh, but we do try to get a sense of the other perspective. So this isn't a gotcha a documentary where we try to embarrass people. We really try to understand why people are attracted to these, these different ideas. Is that probably one of the best ways to win them back, to show them the error of their ways and then hope that they'll recognize, wait a minute, that's me. Oh, okay. Well, I, you know, I think one of the most important things to do is listen, you know, and I, I sometimes screw up on this too, because it makes me so angry when I hear a crazy theory. But I think it's really important to listen to why people have these beliefs. You know, sometimes there is a particular fact that you can correct. Uh, sometimes they have concerns because uh, for cultural reasons. Uh, so I think it's really important uh, to listen and have a response that is relevant to them. But can you tailor uh, your response to them when it's based on scientific evidence and fact? How do you, how do you take that and, and tailor it to to the audience? Well, there's actually some some optimistic data out there um, that shows that if you do you provide facts, you can change people's minds, uh, but you have to do it in a way that is relevant to them, right? Uh, look, the hardcore anti-vaxxers, the conspiracy theorists, it's very, very difficult to change their minds. You know, it's very difficult. It becomes part of their personal identity, and so they're not going to change. But luckily, those people are generally a small cohort. It's 
they're infecting a broader sector of society, right? So it's those, you know, vaccination hesitants. It's those that are unsure about climate change. Those are the ones where I think you really want to, to aim your message. There was a great, there was a great uh, report that came from the World Health Organization really recently about, around vaccines. And they said, look, tailor your message to the general public, you know, don't worry about those hardcore anti-vaxxers. The message should be for everyone and just make sure it's trustworthy and accurate. How dangerous uh, are celebrities to uh, science when they're, you know, spreading misinformation? Hugely. <laughs> One of my favorite topics, actually. And I, I think their their power is underplayed, right? Because they they own the Internet, right? They own social media. And studies actually show that they can have a tremendous impact. It's interesting. I'm sure you've even found this. You know, you, you ask people, do you trust Gwyneth Paltrow? Do you think she's a good source of information? Everyone says no, but, but she still has this profound influence. And it's because she has this big megaphone and, and because she can just expose people to nutty ideas. And research tells us just being exposed to a nutty idea makes that nutty idea seem more believable. It's called the availability bias. So, you know, celebrities really do have an impact on all of us. And so I think that goes back to something you said earlier. It's an argument uh, to why we all need to engage in these conversations. I find it funny that people actually trust people like Gwyneth Paltrow when it comes to uh, some of the things that she is uh, selling, because her website is named Goop. Doesn't that say it all? It's amazing. It's amazing to me. I think you're right. Goop says it all because it is nothing but goop. Right. I appreciate your time, Timothy. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Great. Thanks very much. Cheers. Timothy Caulfield is a Canadian Research Chair in Health and Law Policy at the University of Alberta.